Hello everyone, I'm back with my podcast, Henry. Uh, it's called Latin Express Podcast. It's not Henry Latin Express Podcast. It's the Latin Express Podcast that is uh, driven and made possible by our subscribers, our founding members over at our Substack. So please take a look at that. I'm Henry Barajas, and I'm really excited to talk to a Twitter friend for a long time. And I and this is the first time we've ever spoke, you know, with our voices. This is the first person so I've never seen this person before. I feel like I've only seen, like you know, art. So yeah. I'm very excited to have a face-to-face conversation with Sierra Barnes. Sierra, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to be here with Latin Express Studio. Yes. That's a fun Yes. Thing. I like that. It, it is. It's, um, you know, it's very, the name is very um, uh, controversial because, uh, you know, there's people that want to be inclusive and use Latinx, but also there is the, well, it was created by, you know, white or Anglo educators. It's the the English language like X. Right. Uh, but like so Latino yeah. is the same. Chicano was like a, a word they tried to like, you know, use. And, and then like the older Mexican or brown people didn't like that word. And then like, you know, Latino and like, it, there's just so many, like, it doesn't matter what you call yourself. And I, I like the X because, like, I, I feel like it's it's inclusive, and I feel like um, it's a superhero. You know, like there's like the X Men. You know. Yeah. yeah. I also like it because it's a little bit of a pun because it can be like Latin Express. Exactly. Yes, yeah. that's the other reason. And somebody was Bonus. like, "Why didn't you do, like call it that?" And I was like, "I wasn't thinking at the time." The goal is to. Is to basically make this a thing and then sell it. You know what I mean? Sell my yeah. people up the river. Be the Malinche <laughs> of my, my time. No. <laughs> I know. I know. It's sad. But we're, st- we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about you and your new, if not, I mean, your, I mean not new, but like com- new again. collected project. Yeah. Please tell the people about the book that you're trying to promote and hopefully I one would, person from this will buy it that would that would be awesome or you know check out the the website uh yes yeah hans vogel is dead has been my like passion project weird little web comic since uh since i launched it in, in 2015 i had the idea for it in uh in 2010 so it's it's older for me but um for the for the people it's been around since since 2015 uh it's about hans vogel who's a german soldier in world war ii who gets shot down during the battle of britain and he dies uh and when he wakes up in the afterlife of the brothers grim fairy tales uh he learns that everything he lived for was terrible and that he he's got to do better so it's wow on learning fascism taking apart fascist myths uh becoming a better person admitting when you're wrong all that good stuff Wow, and... that is that is a great pitch. Thank you. I've had since 2015 to perfect it. <laughs> well, I you know I can I, from from experience of a book I started writing in 2015, 
didn't get published until 2019. Um, it is like, it is like something. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's different for you. But is this a is this a still a passion project? Oh, is this still something? Okay, good. Yeah, I've got. Two, there's two more volumes coming. Um, so I'm already working on volume two, and I, you know, I. Th- everything goes through phases of being more or less enthusiastic about it, but I've been surprised, frankly, at how consistently stoked I am about the world, the characters, um, the experience of, of making it. I I yeah. had to go back at one point and hand letter the entire comic, which is like 275 pages. And was so. this for Dark Horse to reprint? Uh, yes, this was for cast iron who did the first printing of it um and they wanted me to to re-letter everything and i was like okay here we go and that was my first experience hand lettering uh a thing did they tell you to hand letter or you decided to they told me that i needed to re-letter it because in in their defense uh the font that i had chosen for the webcomic was pretty terrible Uh. um it was in my defense. I didn't know what I was doing. You didn't. Yeah, you didn't know any better. Yeah, and it was my you know web com- weird web comic that I did on the side while I was looking for a real job. Uh, so it didn't really matter. But with a publisher, I was like, oh okay. And they they said you know pick a pick a font that you like basically. And uh, Mel Mel Gilman told me once that your handwriting always looks the best with your work. Interesting. Which at the time I was like. I hate that. Yeah. I do not want to hand letter. That sounds like a so much work. Uh, and they were right. Tragically. They were correct. Because I, I hand lettered like an eight page sample. And it, it looked so much better. It was just like instant improvement. And I was like, God damn it. Oh, no. I have to re-letter this whole thing. And I did. And then I had to reformat it again for the Dark Horse edition. So... <sighs> I, wow. and you know what i'm still stoked about the project and i think that, <laughs> that speaks a lot of, of volumes it does uh, so to speak yeah i mean to be honest it's like you know i i like i get i get pretty i'm like a sid from toy story i just dropped the toy like you know i am not this is it goodbye like it's you know i have an open invitation and return to helm gray castle which is in stores which is my best-selling work which i love to the end of the you know time but currently that's not what has my attention and since i don't draw it like you're drawing this you're doing soup to nuts i mean to go back to redo it i mean i i i I, a applaud you because i would have been like thank you farm this out to a letter or something like take it out of my residuals i do not want to look at that again i will not go backwards like what you see is what you get uh i did a lot of crying before you think that i'm like that brave um i watched a lot of really terrible tv to get what do you, what kind of tv through. are we talking you're gonna shame me on this your podcast. I mean, um, it's I mean the, the the idea of the podcast is to be honest. Like I'm not that's always a hundred percent. True. I'm not always batting a thousand with my interests and my, you know, I'm I'm drinking a uh, pimple mousse, you know, Lacroix. Oh, yeah. 
Fan, ooh, fan, Lacrox, fancy. Lacrox, you know, like I'm yeah. not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend I'm better than anybody. Okay, well that makes me feel a little better because uh, I usually when I'm on a deadline, I will uh, watch terrible like children's TV shows. Okay. Like, they're usually ripoffs of much better children's media. Um, there was a, a spinoff show about the the James Baxter horse movie spirit stallion of the cimarron right i hope i got that right okay yeah uh it was truly bad it was you know there's like a girl and she's taming the horse from the was it like one of those animated projects that looks like a lot of other animated projects yeah very kind of generic cg looking um and you know i don't want to like disparage the makers of these right. shows you know because they they're also working but it's hard a look them. i respect that but it's not like cinema yeah and it's there to be noise in the background uh i also currently am am watching the um the librarians which is a show that ran in like 2010 to like 2014 was that is that a B- bbc thing Honestly, I don't know. It feels like it should be. Yeah, it's like a. It's yeah. like basically if the Super Who Lock fandom had a show. Oof. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, Sorry you know, I I came around that. to to Doctor Who. I, I like it. I didn't when I first was introduced to it, um, but I heard the show was like good, and I heard the books were good. It, you know, it's it. Did, I I was a, a Doctor Who lover because my dad liked it, so I would you know, I was excited when the two thousand nine Christopher Eccleston reboot happened. I was I was on board for that. Uh, I dropped off in the Moffat era because um, for all of the show writers that I respect, Stephen Moffat isn't one of them. Oh um, yeah, that is like pretty stop. pretty universal. Yeah, he is not well liked. Yeah. Which we, I we guess for good reason. I'm not gonna also sit here and know everything about that. But what I do want to talk about, bring this back. To yes, Hans Vogel is dead. No, it's that's the like yeah. that's the point of these things, you know. Like Perfect. if we were like robotic AI things that were just like here is the thing we're talking about, and then like it would be don't, over. Don't We'd be done in ten minutes. Oh. People want to know that weird stuff you know yeah so well i'm only weird stuff so exactly as we are finding out um and i've no i've known on twitter you're you're not shy about that (laughs) that's true you've seen yeah you've seen my you've seen my twitter we're old twitter homies now yeah old twitter homies we still haven't left i mean i don't want to start anything new i don't want to I'm pretty much like this is kind of the end of my social media era, I think, you know. That's kind of what I'm feeling. Yeah, I'm way too tired to go to Mastodon or Blue Sky or whatever the kids are using these days. Yeah. I don't want that. I just want to make comics and But the, the here's the here's the double edged sword. Like you can't make comics if people can't see it. And what you're That's doing in particular problem. is a you know, web comic which is I mean, I love that it's on a website. I love that it's on your own website. That's perfect. Yeah, always, always have your own website for a webcomic. I mean, that's what I tell the kids. I'm like, don't <laughs> be beholden to the laws of Webtoon or Tapas or those guys. Yes. They'll, 
they will they'll go they belly will up. crunch you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they'll go they'll belly crunchy up. Crunchy roll you. Yeah, they will they will <laughs> Yes. They will Tokyo pop you as well. <laughs> in a hot second. In a hot second. Uh, you see, I I know people like yeah. to rag on Tokyo Pop, but the greatest I think marketing marketing strategy I've ever seen in my life is the announcement when they were like, We're gonna be in all the cracker barrels. It, you know, and... like <laughs> that was the like hardest proof I've ever seen that the devil himself runs that company. Yeah, like the actual devil is real and runs Tokyo. Pop Look, because I can't. I mean, how many times is, are those? Are, are you going to catch people at a comic book store? I don't know. Not a lot of times. People go to places like Cracker Barrel. You know, I was that depressed kid who would like walk around and see oh a train whistle oh an army man pack oh really you know manga for of night of the night uh nightmare before christmas i would buy that if i had to buy anything out of that store it's i will say that i think that it's going to create sort of a new monster strain of kids who read manga and it's like it it, you're going to open a market Um, yeah I don't know what that's going to do or look like, but I, I hopefully feel bring like a, a bring be... the four horsemen and the apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's entirely. Po- I wouldn't doubt it at this in, point. in the form of uh, country gravy and biscuits. You know, I've never. I, I am ashamed to say this as someone who lives in Virginia, but like I've never actually been to Cracker Barrel. I like I've been to one physically but i i've never actually like eaten there wow i i there was yeah. um from arizona there's one um that was like the step up it was like do we go to denny's ihop i'm a waffle house guy mm, yeah or do we go a little extra you know take give the extra miles go to cracker mm-hmm. um let's get back to hans vogel let's where yeah, okay, so this has been a project that's been happening since 2015. But as someone who has, who is currently thinking of new projects, and someone who has written long, you know, projects for a long time, how long did it take for you to take that and put it into, you know, put it on the page, and then the digital page? Uh, I'm pretty sure the first drawing I have of Hans Vogel is from 2010. Uh, wow. When I was in high school, and he was, uh, I mean, like, it's high school drawing, so, like, you know, draw your own conclusions about that. Uh, we're being kind about our past art today. That's that's what we're doing. Good. Uh, but but it's very, like, I didn't, I didn't know nearly as much as I know now <laughs> in 2010, so the story was, like, I was aware that I was not ready to, like, start the story, and then I left for college, I majored in German studies and history and like a lot of my focus was on like World War One, World War Two, the interwar period, like the radicalization of totalitarian states. Um, I did a like paper on paramilitary forces in like the interwar period in Germany because um, it turns out one of my favorite professors, uh, Professor Bruce Campbell, and yes, that was his name. That is his name. He uh, is like one of the premier world scholars about this particular paramilitary group. So we talked about it. I got like really into the kind of funky history of interwar Germany with like queer Berlin and like what are 
the war never really ending because a bunch of veteran German veterans were like, actually, did we even lose? We're going to go up to the Baltic states and start a war there. And then we're going to go down to Munich and we're going to fight the communists. And we're just going to keep fighting through to World War II. So there's just wow. like a bunch of weird stuff happening. I was really into all that weird stuff. Uh, I was not seeing a lot of that weird stuff in like more of the popular World War II media. And I kind of wanted to have a story that combined my love of history with my love of fairy tales and my love of anti-fascism, which right. feels like a weird thing to say, but I wanted to have well, a, a story that, that takes apart like fascist myths that we still hear today for some reason. Yes. Yes. Um, I think it's interesting now with all the anti trans and LGBTQ uh, laws and um, rhetoric that now we're, you know, learning that it started with burning trans, erasing trans That's, people. Yeah, the the Institute for Sexology was the first. Uh, the, the the iconic photo that everyone uses of the Nazis burning books was the the collection from Hirschfeld's uh, Institut für Sexualgewissen, which is Ooh, yeah, did not know that. Yeah. I don't know why yes. I didn't know that. Which I know now, I do know, but yeah, like it's yeah. I mean, because it, it's you know, Nazis it, burning books is is like everyone can accept that's bad, but you know, if the books are things that some people are uncomfortable about anyway, then that kind of makes it a little more complicated. Huh? Right. Right. Yeah. So Which, and like, and no. I think with world world uh, World War Two stories, you know, the victor victors write the history books. So we're always going to see the like American point of view, despite that it being about the world. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like one of the things that was very influential for me for, for writing Hans Vogel is that uh, coming out of World War II, there was a lot of very interesting surrealist anti-war literature coming out of Germany, um, where, you know, individuals who were either, you know, in the war or were lived through the war but were too young to like fight in it were sort of processing you know everything that happened and you have like Otfried Preussler who wrote um essentially a, a fairy tale he wrote a fantasy novel about um called Krabat or the satanic mill uh about a boy who becomes an apprentice at a like a mill like a miller's you know milling flour and stuff uh but the miller is actually like a a demonic sorcerer and every year he kills one of his 12 um apprentices wow. like he teaches them magic throughout the year but then he kills one of them at the end of the year and it's an allegory for living under fascism and like gert ladick um wrote verwaltung which means payback or like revenge uh and he describes the bombing of i think it's dresden uh in a in a way that sort of separates the human involvement of it so he he has this like insane scene that i will never forget of the bombing happening and it's split between the pov of the bomber crew the american bomber crew and the pov of the germans in the city and both sides are sort of like the bombs themselves feel out of the hands of both of the characters like, there's a separation between the bombers looking down at the destruction, 
that they're causing, but they're not like actively participating in. And a separation of the Germans on the ground looking up and seeing the bombs falling on them like the wrath of God. Like it's this sort of wow. the bombs themselves are an almost like magical separate entity with its own malevolent intelligence and that sort of like surrealist approach to the inherent absurdism of war was something that really like that that really baked my biscuits that really was (laughs) yeah all right so how does that get pointed to towards hans vogel is dead so like very uh german german nationalism is very tied up in german fairy tales right Like the Brothers Grimm were trying to invent a German culture and mythology society when they were when they were collecting their stories, as opposed to all the little independent German states that were around at the time. So if you're deconstructing German national identity and German nationalism, which, you know, after World War Two, that's a great time to be doing that. Um, Fairy tales are sort of intrinsic to that very much tied into it and that i think was something that the post-war german writers really latched onto and i very much so very interested in in folklore already very interested in that area of history you know bing bang boom reading that literature already i was like i'm not gonna argue with a good thing if it ain't broke don't fix it um so yeah i was definitely down to have this conversation through fairy tales that's great smarter minds than i came up with that i mean you know and it's a you know it's like it's like a tradition that you keep going you know like you said it's not something that you see a lot of so it's good you know to to keep this sort of uh this kind of fairy tale in comics going it makes it really interesting so let's uh talk about the important dates here because comics is you know and and anything predicated on pre-ordering so we hope someone listening or watching will want to pre-order this and what are what are the more uh important dates for you as far as people getting this book yeah um so it's available for pre-order now uh through through amazon through barnes and noble and your local comic book store uh ask them to pre-order it obviously i'm going to say ask your local comic book store because that's they're the best that's the best um but yeah i'm right now the the big dates are uh hans vogel is dead is is out in print obviously the pre-orders but it is also still continuing as a webcomic so thanks star course for letting me do that uh and updates will resume starting volume two uh june 15th which as of recording is next thursday so i'm very excited I'm working my booty off on new pages. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, so June 15th, new pages on the website. Right now, pre-order it. September 19th will be the actual release day, and I will be uh, chatting all the things up on all my social medias, as Henry has had to put up with the last... Oh, please. Month, that's just I, I never get tired so. of that stuff. I <laughs> oh, mean, as, I mean, best. you know, I think you need to you need to do as much as you can uh as as much because you know you're never gonna catch everybody uh at the same time all right um sierra like thank you again for doing this really good uh talking to you getting to know you i didn't realize you're in virginia which is i mean 
like just a medley of war history out there inescapable and uh, yeah you really like throw a rock without hitting one of those big plaques of like civil war battles or whatever right so i mean i can can only imagine that this is you're in a good space to be doing stuff like this uh about you know uh your comic uh hans vogel is dead the the studio i'm working at is actually a former torpedo factory in world war ii so uh i'm like i said i I, I could feel it yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's great you know i'm drawing like world war ii planes and i'm in a world war ii building and pretty sure it has been renovated since then but you know it's cool (laughs) it still has the it still has the vibes right um uh, so where can we find you oh of course where can Uh, where can we find you you can find me on on Twitter as long as it is uh, is there. Um, right. It's at Sierra Bravo Art, and I'm on Instagram uh, at at Sierra underscore Bravo underscore Art, and uh, my website is SierraBravoArt.com, and you can find Hans Vogel at HansVogelIsDead.com. Easy to remember. Yes, and don't forget to pre-order. Um... Yes. Pre-order yeah. Hans Vogel is dead. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your friendly local Spider-Man comic book store. <laughs> All right, uh, thank you again, and thank you for listening. And we'll see you some other time. Adios. Peace. <laughs>